0: Good day. This is Michael Wardy, Certified Financial Planner and Regional Director at Source HOV Tax. Thank you for listening to the only dedicated Tax incentives podcast available. The goal for these podcasts is to deliver information that could be useful and applicable to your business. We interview experts in their fields to talk specifically about their specialty and give some thoughts insights, stories, and when they can, advice on how to best approach a project. Today we're excited to have in the studio um, and we'll be discussing hedging against foreign exchange risks and some of the challenges, hurdles, and benefits. Dave Pierce, who is the Director of Global Hedging Products at GPS Capital Markets is with us today. Thank you, Dave, for joining us. Thank you, Michael. So Dave, I'm just gonna go ahead and get started. Um, And before we get into too much detail, can you share a little bit about your background in currency exchange risk and really who is GPS?
1: Sure. Um, I have been in foreign currency exposure management for 32 years now. So it's been most of my career. And I've been with GPS Capital Markets since they started, um, just almost 17 years ago. And GPS Capital Markets started really as a response to a hole we saw in the market that was not being fulfilled by regular commercial banks on foreign exchange side. And we have uh, really dedicated ourselves to creating uh, software and technology that will help clients better manage their exposures through... um, Doing different things like netting and uh, making it easier to send payments around the world and really giving one-on-one service uh, to our clients and being a, an advisory service to them rather than just uh, an execution partner. And it has been extremely successful for us.
0: That's great. It, it sounds like, and from what I'm reading in the papers and witnessing and talking with clients and CPAs, it sounds like there's become a more and more of a need for what you guys, uh, for your specialty and services, can you just describe for us what the typical foreign exchange process of a company is before they even meet with you?
1: Yeah, and as you would imagine, it really depends a lot on the company. But uh, I want to I want to address a little bit about multinationals companies that have multiple operations around the world whether that's manufacturing or just sales and distribution. And one of the difficulties that we see is that you have got um, maybe multiple manufacturing um, locations around the world, and you've got multiple different distribution areas, and all of these pieces of the company are buying and selling from each other, as well as buying and selling to third parties. And it becomes really complicated managing your currency exposure back and forth. And a lot of that happens within the company itself, internal company exposures. And uh, for one uh, quick example, I had one company that was The industry that they're in just made it so that they had lots of internal company invoices back and forth, over 100 different entities in different countries, and every month they had almost 100,000 different intercompany invoices, and they were actually sending wire transfers over a hundred thousand a month and they had in each location one or two people but that's all they did was send wire transfers to the different um, areas of the company and this made for tremendous inefficiencies and a lot of fees that were involved because there were on average 25 to 30 dollars wire fees attached to every single one of those you know 100,000 wires they were sending every month and we were able to put them on one of our netting systems that um, gathered and collated all of their um, intercompany exposures and made it so that each entity only had to send or receive one wire transfer every month. And um, we've reduced um, their wires from around 100000 a month to about 100 a month, and give them better record-keeping. And um, everything is netted so that they're doing a lot less foreign exchange as well. And so that's, that's just a quick example of the kind of things that we do when we sit down with companies, is we look at what they are currently doing, try to find efficiencies um, and ways that they can do things simpler. It just
0: sounds so much more efficient by setting it up through you guys and cost-effective. Yeah, I mean, taking that number and multiplying by the, the, the transaction fees, it's a huge amount per month that they were paying it that is. you guys ended up saving. Yeah, it really is. Wow. <laughs> um, and I, I, I meet with and talk with hundreds of CPAs throughout the country in, in a given year. And my goal, really my goal for these podcasts is to bring new and strategic and valuable ideas to them and ultimately to their clients. I, I have no doubt that CPAs are aware of foreign exchange risk. But how do they even know, like, when a client has foreign exchange risk? How do they even, like, how do they approach it or think about it?
1: You know, that's a really difficult question because I will tell you that there is foreign exchange risk that is easily identifiable and shows up on a company's income statement is uh, foreign exchange gains and losses, and typically that's when you've got an exposure that goes over a period end, usually a quarter end, and it has to be remeasured mark to market. And any gains and losses on that are typically gonna show up in a company's financials. But outside of that, one of the things that we find is that there's a lot of companies have exposure that does not show up from an accounting standpoint. And let me explain how that works. If you have, let's say you're a a US company and you receive an invoice from a company in Germany, you agree to pay them um, 1 million euros for some product and you get that invoice at the beginning of the month. And the exchange rate is for, you know, for every euro, it's going to cost you a dollar and twelve cents. So you know that um, for the, hundred, or the mil, one million euros, it's going to cost you um, $1,120,000. But you choose not to pay that invoice until the end of the month. And when you go to pay the invoice, the exchange rates move to 1.14. And now, instead of it costing you 1120000 it's going to cost you one million one hundred and forty thousand. Well, that twenty thousand dollars difference, the additional cost that um, you're going to pay for that currency, does not show up anywhere on a line item showing foreign exchange gains or losses. It's just a change in cost of goods, um, and that does not show up anywhere in your financials. And so. To really understand whether or not companies have got foreign currency exposure, really you've got to start basics and just asking, you know, where are you doing business at? What countries are you doing business in? What currencies are you doing business in? Because it's really simple for us, let's say the day that they got that invoice, even though if they weren't going to pay pay it for 30 days, we could have locked that currency exchange rate in. and. On the day that they went to pay it, they would have paid the original amount that they were going to pay because we would have locked that in with, say, like a forward contract and would have made it really simple for them to eliminate all that risk, and, and they, they wouldn't have to worry about that. And that's the kind of thing that we want to do is, is we're really in the, the, the risk mitigation business.
0: It's a good term. I like that term. (laughs) Thanks. So that's from the CPA's perspective. What about, what have you seen from CFOs, controllers, or the tax groups of multinational corporations and how they handle it? Is it, I assume that they have a better handle on it or a better feel for
1: it than the CPAs? Um, they actually have more visibility to it, yes, because they're, they're dealing with that every day, and I will tell you it's a mixed bag. Um, there are companies out there that are amazing, that have incredible systems set up, and incredible processes and procedures, but there's also an astounding number of companies that really don't have their arms around this exposure and um are are doing things that are are really financially detrimental to their company um you know i, I was working with a, a company over this last year that's um you know multi multi-billion dollar a year in sales company and they really have no idea what currency exposures on their books and they don't even know how to find it they've got a lot of different ERP systems and and we've been working for about a year with them to help them clean up their financials so that they can um start to hatch because um they've got a lot of um historically uh, they've got a lot of transactions that were booked incorrectly and um, just trying to get them back on track has been a a massive project so it it really depends on the company Um, some are like I say really good really amazing and we just help them with the transactional piece of that they just need someone to execute through and someone to you know, get their payments out fast and simply. And there's other people that we spend a tremendous amount of time helping them, uh, from a consulting standpoint, learning what their exposures are and learning how to identify them and using some of our systems to give them good data analytics so that they can um, just have a desktop that shows them, all right, here's what your currency exposure is, this is how much you have hedged. this is how much unhedged exposure you've got, this is your value at risk, things like that. And so it, it really, it, even though most companies have a lot better view than say their CTA's and a lot better idea what's going on, um, as, as companies, especially when they get really large, um, they, they can struggle with this. It's, it, it, can be a, it can be a giant problem.
0: So, okay, I, I'll admit I'm an novice and I don't think that's that hard to figure out as we're having this conversation, <laughs> but I've, I've heard that some of the large financial institutions are able to handle this and I've had clients say, well, our, our financial institution deals with this so we really don't, we don't need any help in this area. Is it, is it fair to say that that's an accurate statement? Um, it's usually easier for people to say it's already taken care of and not think about it. What are your thoughts yeah. on that?
1: You know, we hear that all the time. And it is it is true and it's not true. And let, let me kind of uh, break that out. One of the things that um, that you can get from a large financial institution is that they are, you know, usually very good at execution, um, and they can, you know, if you want to go to them and you want to buy, you know, 10 million euros, it's it's easy to do that with your own institution, and uh, and you can settle with them, and it's they just pull the money out of your account, and that's you know it's it's simple, and that's what most people want to do. Um, you also have to realize that um, these big financial institutions are making billions and billions of dollars a year on this, and so it is a, a massive money-making proposition for them. So, there are, um, you know, ways to do this in a much more economical fashion. That's one of the things that we help address. The second thing is, is because of. New regulations in the last few years with Dodd Frank, most financial institutions have had to do a couple of things. Number one, they have had to get out of the advisory business. In other words, they cannot give advice to clients on how to set up and and how to manage their exposure or what products to even use. They and this has been um, this has been implemented by the federal government and. And it prohibits a lot of these big institutions from actually giving that advice. We can still do that given the size of our company. We are still allowed to go in and give them advice. The other thing that most of these institutions have also done is they have got out of any business in providing software. So if you've got like uh, mass payment systems, intercompany netting systems, global balance sheet um, systems that help you, you know, gather all of your information together and net that together and make it easier for clients to manage their, their, their global exposures, financial institutions have got out of that business. And um, that's because of the regulations. We have gone the opposite direction. We have decided to go way deeper into technology to provide um, better tools and access for our clients, number one. And number two, we have chosen to hire lots of senior advisors that can go out and talk to people and understand what what's going on in their financials and help them with their exposures. And we've got a lot of 20, 30-year experienced um, people out in the marketplace that can really understand the kind of exposures that people have and give them some real good solutions.
0: I got to think, just, just listening to you, doing the activity is one part, but even more important is that advice and counseling and making sure that's done properly. I, I think that that's, that's a big part of the value uh, because without that, there's, there's no additional, there, there's no way to continue to do things the right way and learn from it and grow and expand um, uh, the relationships in your clients. You said something earlier, and I just had a question on this. So, is it just for the Fortune 500 or the Fortune 5000 size companies, What you, said, you mentioned earlier that as companies get bigger or once they get to a certain size even, when does it make sense to even think about this or be worried or concerned about it?
1: Well, it's uh, a good question because we have clients that are in all size ranges, from you know, mom-and-pop shops all the way up to, like you said, the Fortune 500 type companies. And anybody who has got a significant portion of their business that is internationally, whether they're selling internationally or buying something internationally, um, it, it's something we should have a conversation about. Um, for instance, I mean, I've I've got a client that is as a one-person shop, and they sell a specialty item um, around the world. And they, it is a one-person organization, and he sells about two million dollars worth of product um, every year. And everything that he sells is done in foreign currency. So, it's it's. By all definitions, a small business. It's a one-person, two-million-dollar-in-sales business, and um, but a hundred percent of his revenue comes from international, and it's all foreign exchange-related. And so, you know, he has to you know understand what's going on in the markets and understand what his costs are going to be or his or his revenue is going to be in the foreign currency uh on the other hand um i've got another client that i've been working with that is a a big multinational and the way that they have been purchasing their product is they have been forcing some of their foreign suppliers to just give them pricing in u.s dollars And because they didn't want to deal with the foreign exchange, they had never really been set up to deal with this. And we're looking right now at changing the way they get billed from one of their suppliers from getting, getting billed in U.S. dollars to getting billed in the foreign currency. And this is this one suppliers about a billion dollars a year in purchases so it's, it's a large amount and what they have found is that as they've started negotiating pricing in the foreign currency they're saving between three and five percent by um, having the supplier price them in their local currency and that's after we've actually gone out and hedged this exposure so they're you know, on a billion dollars a year, they're looking at a three to five percent price cut just by changing the currency that they're getting billed in. And you know, when you start talking thirty to fifty million dollars a year in savings, that's all of a sudden starts adding up to real money. I would say so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you again for joining us. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. If anyone in our audience wants to learn more or get in touch with you how what's the best way to connect with you
1: or connect with Um, you um yeah you can give me a call uh again my name is david pierce my number is 801-984-1080 that's um our general office number uh you could reach me on my cell phone at 801-414-4770 and if you've got any kind of questions or just um you know, want some advice or some direction uh, feel free to call me it's, um, I'm always happy to chat with anybody
0: That's great, I really appreciate it and for our audience and listeners thank you again for listening I, I'm sure you found this valuable and incredible. it's been very informational as always there are more episodes coming out so please subscribe to this podcast and as we release them you will be notified thank you again
1: Michael, thank you I really appreciate it. Absolutely.